0: Hey folks, welcome back. Today we got a real estate investing power couple zooming in from beautiful Boulder, Colorado. We got Misty and Troy Petrie who are long-term real estate investors who've been in the game since 2004. And they started off with long-term buy and hold and have since pivoted towards short-term rentals. They liked it so much, they've kind of gone all in with that. In fact, they help a lot of people with getting up and rolling with short-term rentals. So Misty and Troy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having us on.
0: It is my pleasure. All right, you guys, 2004. Sometimes that doesn't seem like that long ago to me but that is quite (laughs) a long time. That's almost 20 years now. So what got you started in real estate in the first place?
1: Oh, great question. So really, I think we always, um, we just always were passionate about real estate, whether it was buying it for our own or just seeing that people were really building wealth through it. Um, And that's kind of what got us into long term. we moved a lot for jobs too back then. So we picked up some properties in different areas that we lived in. And then fast forward, like you said, it wasn't until gosh, four years ago that we really had this epiphany where we love experiences. That's what our family does. We love to travel. We love to do experiences with our friends. Um, Troy's from Maine, so we have everybody over for a lobster party every summer. A lot of lobsters. Yep, and I grew up with my father being a Griswold, so he loves Christmas, and that was kind of indoctrinated to us, so we decorate all out for Christmas. We put Christmas lights even on the roof, um, so that was kind of when we found, found like, oh, you know, we love experiences, and real estate, the cross-section of like real estate and experiences really led us to short-term rentals.
0: So did did you kind of discover that because you started staying in short-term rentals yourselves? Or how what what was the epiphany that short-term rentals were where you wanted to, to go?
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, doing long-term rentals for many years, as I'm sure you know, is a totally different game, right? You're dealing with um, you know, people they live there year-round. It's just a different experience for them, right? And so mm-hmm. we travel and we started traveling more and more, staying at short-term rentals, really loving that experience. And we saw what people Created to, yeah. you know, we had a great vacation from it, so that's a great experience for us. So we thought, you know, and we should really do this. We have a big passion around experience. We can totally create an environment for people to have a great vacation.
1: And we might be a little crazy too, so well, <laughs> maybe. Oh, hey,
2: nothing <laughs> wrong <crazy>. with that. <laughs> Sounds like you have fun. All right, so
0: so you had that epiphany. Maybe walk us through this. Like, what did your portfolio look like? pre short-term rentals? What does it look like now? You know, total number of properties where they're located. Did you just take your existing portfolio and convert them to short-term rentals or did you sell a bunch and buy some, some different properties in in different areas? Kind of walk me through that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Good question.
1: Yeah. So we started in Tucson, Arizona is where a long-term portfolio was. And we actually kept that. We had about five houses down there we kept mm-hmm. that portfolio all through the 2008, you know, debacle crisis, right? Mortgage crisis. Learned a lot through that time of kind mm-hmm. of how to pivot and how to make sure that our tenants were, you know, still. I think um, just vetted and kind of challenged with the market through that. And then we realized that um, our, you know, when you have a good team member, it doesn't mean that they're always going to stay great. Mm-hmm. I think that was a big lesson back then. So we actually had a property manager that they were wonderful, but due to some medical conditions they actually changed over time. They started allowing tenants to stay with, you know, partial rents. And we got into a really, really a lot of challenges with, we even had a tenant that um, had somebody try to kill him and burnt oh the my. house down.
2: <laughs> yeah, Burned those down to the ground. Yeah. So wow. there was some challenges. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There yeah. were some big challenges. Back I can um, see
2: you kind of
0: <laughs> leading out of long-term rentals. <laughs> yeah. yeah you see where this is going, right?
2: Yeah. All right. So you, so you
0: got five properties in Tucson. This is when you decide that you want to get into, short-term rentals. Uh, So did you say you kept those? Did you convert those short-term rentals or did you keep them as long-term We
1: Yeah, we kept them for quite a long time through all of the 2012, 13. Then we started to sell them off one by one. We actually sold the whole portfolio and didn't know what our pivot was going to be. And then that was when- You you had had a
0: boatload full of cash, burning a hole in your pocket. You're wondering, okay, what do we buy next? And that's yep. when you decided to get into short-term rentals
1: we did that's right so the first one we actually did here in colorado just a couple hours from us we thought okay if we're going to dip our toes in this space we should do it in a place where we can kind of have eyes on it and maybe yeah. you know rinse and repeat learn how to do the process and then be able to repeat it so that was our first one it was just a couple hours from us here
2: in colorado is and it then a, that's house, a condo
0: a- what what kind of property? it was a
2: cabin it's a cabin, it's a four four three cabin and it's okay. beautiful. It's on about an acre of, of land in the middle of the woods, uh, not too far from Breckenridge. So uh, really great it Should location. be close to
0: some good skiing somewhere. Around
2: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's hard not to be around here. Right. Yeah. But uh, that was great. And, you know, it came fully renovated. So we just furnished it and created the experience by, you know, doing decorating and that kind of thing. So that was great. The, the second one was a little different. We went down to southwest Florida and okay. we bought a foreclosure. Um, and then, so, uh, I went down there for two months and renovated it, gutted it out, renovated it out and, you know, redid the pool, everything. We just completely redid this property, you know, had a lot of forced equity come out of that Mm -hmm. house. Right. Uh, we bought it on a conventional loan, but we turned around and we did a all in one a year later, you know, all in one loan, we're able to get that, that line of equity.
1: And that product actually really, I think changed probably our trajectory, just having an all-in-one, that first position HELOC. Well, maybe,
0: maybe can, kind of define what that means for yeah, folks that aren't sure. familiar yeah, with Yeah, absolutely.
1: So all-in-one was new to us too. And I think this goes back to the people that you surround yourself with when you have people that are also in the game with you, just the resources that you learn. And that was actually how we found out about it. So it's an all-in-one loan. It's a first position HELOC. And since, mm. because we had that equity in our Florida property, We changed, which is kind of strange, right? Most people would think, man, you had a low interest rate on a conventional loan. Why would you do that? But on a first position HELOC, it worked as a bank account basically for us. We could tap into it for the next projects and then we pointed all of our resources to it too. So it works and it pulls as a daily interest rate, as you know. So everything, it's very different from the traditional mortgage. You can pay it down quicker, but it taps into like a bank account.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. So that's a way for you guys to. Use your own equity in that property, go out and buy another one. Then you can, you know, when you refinance or whatever you do with the the next property, put that money back into the original one. So you're not paying interest on that, but you can,
2: you can, lots of flexibility there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It gave us a lot of flexibility. And so that's what we did. Again, we, we bought a a third one in the mountains of Georgia. And this is crazy. You're going to think we're kind of crazy here, but it was a brand new house, uh, fully furnished, existing short-term rental uh we felt it was definitely underperforming right mm-hmm. so we bought this brand new house and it's in this cute like german town this art- german architecture just mm-hmm. has that feeling right we completely sold all the furniture i mean this is nice <laughs> stuff we're talking like Ethan <laughs> Al. i mean like the guy had nice stuff in it. nice taste well <laughs> we sold it all and we completely leaned into the german feel we have a designer that helped us do that to create that experience for families i built a a hidden game room where the the mirror slides open. There's game oh, room wow. in there, arcades. I mean, this is a big family town, so that was hugely popular. Extended the deck, put a roof over the deck with a fireplace, and it's it's gone. We're, we're we've doubled the existing income on it uh, wow. on this past year, so it's great. That's, yeah, so that's back to that Pretty smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a, it was a it was a huge game changer for us. And then if you want to talk about the last property.
1: Oh, yeah. So then last one, you're probably thinking, where did they go next? Yeah. We went to Alaska. Um, so we love to have kind of a, a portfolio that really speaks to those bucket list trips back to that experience piece. And we thought, what better bucket list place than Fair? Uh, you know, really Alaska, but what took mm-hmm. us to it, Fairbanks, Alaska. And um, it was really because nobody was really tapping into that bucket list experience. So we found a property that was beautiful on the outside. It very much said luxury Alaskan getaway, but the inside just didn't match. So that was kind of our, our take with that one was making the interior match that luxurious Alaskan feel that if it's your bucket list trip, you want it to be. So that's what we did. We added a barrel sauna so you can sit outside on the deck. And as you in Canada probably have amazing Northern lights for us, a little bit more South, you don't get to experience that uh, that often. So when people go to Alaska, they can sit in this barrel sauna and take in the you know expansive Northern lights while being a little bit warmer.
0: oh that is what i this is so interesting i was interviewing somebody a couple of weeks ago also in the short-term rental space and they were talking about the whole experience thing which you guys have really dialed in and same idea for them and and i'm trying to remember what they they did they went nuts on their property i believe in florida and just did a whole harry potter thing so yeah. the, the theme is 100% Harry Potter. They spent like $250,000 on the renovations <laughs> to make this a Harry Potter type thing, but the cash, the what they're what they're charging for that bucket list experience is something else and people are happy to 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 pay that kind of money. So very yeah, very yeah. cool, you guys. Now, we were talking a little bit off camera before we pressed go here that there's been quite a shift in the whole short-term rental market over the last few years, because you know, everybody when when the pandemic was happening and everybody's locked in and everybody's doing these staycations and lots of people wanted to get out of the cities and and you know, away from everybody else that's gonna infect them with COVID and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, everybody kind of jumped on this short-term rental bandwagon. And now we're starting to see a little bit of fallout. So maybe, maybe talk to us a bit about that. What have you guys noticed? And what do you think the solution is?
1: Yeah, so that's a a big question that's going around right now is, you know, are we in the short-term rental bust, right? Mm. Is that what we're facing? And I think, you know, the interesting part, what we found is when we talk to people that are in the market, maybe struggling, it really starts with one, kind of knowing your numbers, right? You really have to know, is the market actually growing or is it declining? And when we look at almost every market, they're still growing. So it Mm. tells you like the demand is there. So Um, growing
0: in in the sense of people still booking short-term rentals.
1: Yeah. So the revenue is growing year to year. But what has changed where people are right and feeling that way is that there's more people in the game, right? Mm. There's more more players Yes, compet- competition. So it's supply and demand. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. that natural economics thing of, you know, the demand is there, but supply has increased. So yeah. now it's no longer you can just put grandma's house up with, you know, just the regular old furniture. You have to put some thought into crafting that, you know, Or, or you have
0: to price. bring the price way down. On yes, grandma's or
1: place. that, yeah. right. Yeah. But you really have to be thoughtful, I think, about what you're wanting to craft from your short-term rental and how do you compete what does the market have and how can you stand out it doesn't have to be the harry potter home right you just have to find that one little niche that you can serve
0: well okay so maybe talk to me a little bit about that you guys finding that one little niche that you can serve so you guys have gone to very different areas and created really you know bucket list type experiences for folks Some people might be saying, well, geez, there's no way I can go and buy a property in Alaska or do this or do that. So let's say somebody does have grandma's place and they want to and and they're feeling this crunch with with things going on there. What can somebody in that situation do to
2: turn things around a bit? Yeah, yeah. It's gonna. Kind of, so when you look, when we look at a house. We think, is there something in that house that gives it some kind of economic moat to begin with, right? Does it have a view? Does it have a, you know, a mountain outside of it, or is it close to the beach or, or something like that? You know, and this a good example, kind of what you're talking about. The house in in Georgia, you know, there was nothing really overly special about that house. You know, so we made it special by what we did to it. And mm. so I would say the person that has grandma's house. First off, I think they have to have passion around short-term rentals. That's hugely important. If you don't have that, you're not going to be successful. And the second thing is that do something that's different in your market. Take a look at your competitors. See what they're doing, what they're not doing. It's amazing in this market I'm talking about. Nobody was leaning into the German experience, although the whole city was based around it. You know, no, no short-term rentals were, right? So we yeah. really got into that. It was a total kid city. People brought family. You know, the families were there. Mm. We did, a you know, this amazing, uh, you know, little hidden room with all these little games. I mean, we created the experience for people to book our property. And so we're on the top tier of the property, you know, of the market, and that's going to continuous campus book the other thing
1: thing we talk about too is just starting with what they're passionate about Uh, you know maybe they love to mountain bike maybe they're a big book reader and they have their favorite author right there's always like a subset of people that want to experience the same thing that you love and that's like the easiest one to tap into
0: really okay that's that's really interesting misty so let's say somebody's got a a short-term rental in Cleveland, Ohio, for example, and and there's nothing particularly exciting about that property or nothing against people in Cleveland, but let's say there's <laughs> nothing exciting about the area that they're in in Cleveland. You're what I'm hearing you saying is, okay, well, let's lean into something different. Mm-hmm. If you can't like Troy, you're like, you're saying there's nothing particularly spectacular about the property, but let's convert it into something unique. So Missy, you're saying, "Hey, let's say you're really into mountain biking, you can make this geared towards other mountain bikers, or if you're really into reading, you can make this geared around if you're Agatha Christie fan or yes. Ken Follett fan or whatever kind of theme it around that. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, that's
1: exactly it. Because you don't have to, you don't have to t- speak everybody's language, right? You just need to find the one language, the subset of the audience that really resonates with your property. so I think you don't have to meet everybody's needs, right? That's the mm-hmm. biggest probably piece of advice is find your niche market.
0: okay, good, good, good advice. Now, we were talking a little bit before we press go here on on the interview about folks losing sight of the guest experience, and this kind of I guess this kind of ties in, but maybe talk to me a little bit more about that,
1: yeah, so we're big believers on like not tripping over pennies, right. Um, and what we mean by that is we really think of all of our, our partners on our team. Probably our biggest one is our property manager for every property. And a lot of times they'll call you and they'll say, Hey, the property needs, you know, X, it needs more paper towels. It needs what, and we don't trip over those things. We give guests unlimited paper towels, unlimited, you know, toilet paper, all that stuff. Because again, it comes back to the guest experience and we've Found a lot of owners who really look at that as like, "Oh, that's another $5 out of my pocket, that's another $10. What I think they don't see- Yes, ADF. exactly. Yeah. They don't see the big picture of, if you give them in that experience, you're going to have a top property, you'll be able to charge more. The other piece is if you charge more, it's less wear and tear on your property. So it's not all about having 100% occupancy, but it's about crafting the experience to give you the maximum revenue. And at the end, your guests are just elated with the experience that they had. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right, I think we've all awesome. Yeah. I was going to say I think we've all stayed in a property where someone gave <laughs> you a roll of paper towels and like two pods of detergent or something like that. If you want more go buy it, you know, type of deal and so yeah. that's the experience that we don't want our our people that we have, you know, I just got a call this week. Hey, we, we are out of chopped firewood in the Alaska house. Well, winter's coming. People want to, they want to, they want to, you know, put a fire on and have the ambiance, and look at the Northern lights. So I bought a quart of wood, have it delivered, you know, like just get it done and and like create that experience with people is essentially what we do.
0: One thing I'm really curious about for you guys is it seems like all except for one of your properties is way far away. So you're managing, all of these at a distance. Certain markets are definitely geared towards short-term rentals. I don't know if Fairbanks is is geared towards short-term rentals. So how did you create that team in a place that's not all that accustomed to short-term rentals? Yes, yeah, so, for, for again, sure. Good your, question.
2: Your, your cleaners are huge, right? That's... Huge. We're 16 miles outside of town. I mean, in the woods, you know, think about Alaska in February where it's negative 23. You got to get a cleaner there to to Mm -hmm. clean it. Right. And so it's, we, we have trust in our property managers. We go there boots on the ground. I was in Alaska all of May, half of June renovating this place, meeting with people, talking to people. And we, we create a team there, you know? And so we have a property manager, they have cleaners, you know, obviously there's, there's a big uh, connect between all of us you know we try to we try to get to know everybody to kind of have a connection with them and, and really yeah. they you know people work hard you know if they if they know you and like you and you pay them well uh, you know then they're gonna work and for we you. can't
1: do it without them right yeah. and they know that so it's very much a team effort from like the property manager like Troy said to the cleaner to the maintenance guy like they realize the better job they do the better all that they're all gonna do so we're just as much in it if they call us and they need something then we're gonna jump on it.
0: Awesome, you guys. So at the, I lost lost count. Are you at four or five properties in your? So four. four, 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 four. For yep. Yeah. Fantastic. And you got these four properties. What's kind of what do you feel is like the sweet spot as far as, like for you guys for the the size of the portfolio? Is this like good? Is is this? where you want to go or are you looking to to buy more properties and and do more of these
1: yeah so i think what we've realized too is like it's hard to do this in real estate alone right so up to this point we've done it alone meaning financing all of that and now we're you know starting to toy with this in order to scale we really do need to kind of dip our toes into like joint ventures and that that's the world that's unknown that's actually how we found your podcast Mm. is because we were trying to learn more about it Um, and so that's kind of where we're getting to, we, we know of deals that we could do today, but because of a financing perspective, right. As you know, it takes two years for that to basically every property to generate enough revenue until it hits on our taxes where they can actually see the income and it's counted towards us. So we're in this like lull until the next one, because we did two this year. Um, so yeah, yeah, so that's kind of the biggest piece is stepping into this joint venture, building a team, a different team to do the next deal.
0: Yeah, well I think just based on the little bit I've poked around what you, what you guys are up to I I think you're really well positioned for that for many reasons. Number one, just your your sheer length of time as real estate investors since 2004 that that makes you even though you're a, a younger couple that that makes you real estate old timers compared to a lot of folks, that's for sure.
1: We're older than you think.
0: <laughs> well, you're lucky. You're doing something right. We're very nice. <laughs> So that, that's one big thing. The other big thing is um, you've got track record with short-term rentals. You've ridden it through the ups and the downs kind of thing. Uh, you're successful at a point where many people are feeling like it's kind of the, they've hit the bust. And the other really smart thing that you guys have done is I, I noticed that you've started teaching and training and helping other would-be short-term rental investors get started and what you're probably going to find is that there's a number of those people amongst many other prospects who would really rather just partner with you guys and put their money in the deal, let you guys take care of all of the rest of it. Cause there's a lot involved. It's easy for you guys. You enjoy it. You like all that stuff, but there's so many people that would just rather, you know, participate passively and share in the profits versus, uh, doing all the work themselves and learning how to, how to do it. So I think what you've been doing on the education side is going to really serve you well, because there's, it's the 80, 20 rule is is what I've found over the last 20 some years of of life in general, out of all, out of, let's say a hundred people that, that go through a program, 20, maybe 20 will actually take action and do something with it. 80% will, get the gist of it drink the Kool-Aid be interested in it but not actually pull the trigger because of too busy family scared whatever all these different things but there's they want to do it they they just can't quite do it by themselves so i think you got lots of opportunity there you guys
1: well, thanks. Thanks for that insight too, on how you see things, because I think that's where we're at this crossroads of what's next, you know? yeah. So we do, we love helping other people out, I think, to pay it forward, but it's um great mm-hmm. to hear you say that too, kind of maybe how we can structure the next few deals.
2: Start creating those relationships. Where we're able to start doing some of those deals.
0: Yeah, most definitely, yeah. You guys. Well, hey, yeah. time flies when we're having fun. If people want to yeah. connect with you guys and find out more about short-term rentals or get some education or connect with you, however they want to do that, What's the best way to do that?
1: Yeah. So they can go to our website. It's top tier uh, intensive.com. So tier T I E R intensive.com. And um, yeah, we have content on their education. We love to, Like I said, coach people, help people with their struggles, but also just to get in touch with us if they have any questions or we can pay it forward.
0: Awesome. Very good. Well, Hey, congratulations. Keep up the good work. And thank you very much for sharing some of those insights here today. Like, you know, the, the focus on the guest experience is so important you know, dialing in on a unique angle to things, not being the same old, same old, figuring out a way to stand out without necessarily have to, having to recreate the Harry Potter house or anything like that, but really just creating something unique and different there. And then again, like anything, the people that are just in it for the money, uh, they might get washed out. The People that are really interested and passionate and really enjoy this, they're the ones that are, like you guys, are going to make a really good go of it, so thanks for sharing all of that.
1: Thanks, Dave. Great to meet you.
0: All right, everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode.